Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Lord's house today as we got up and the sun was shining in the sky. Oh, no, not really. It's just another cold Wisconsin morning, isn't it? But it's still good to be able to gather together today and celebrate the warmth we have of God's love, the warmth we have as 
brothers and sisters in Christ and to be able to worship our amazing God together, our risen Lord and Savior. It's still the Easter season, and so we're still celebrating the good news that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Today in our message, we'll talk about what does it mean that he has risen from the dead and conquered all of our enemies. We're going to talk about the great rescue uh, that we celebrate on Easter. So hopefully somewhere in your material you received a little pink sermon outline. Uh, we'll work through the Word of God together and we get to that point today and celebrate the resurrection. Uh, we'll also get to share the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together today. Think about that great gift. Not only do we hear the Word of God today, but He'll reach down and touch us through the bread and wine in the very body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. So if you believe that, you are welcome to join us for the Sacrament of the Lord's Supper later on in the service today. Then I hope you're taking time always to read your announcement bulletin. There's always so many great things going on here at Faith. Just want to highlight a couple things for you today. You know, our, this is the weekend of our congregational forums. You can find the information on that there in the front of that announcement bulletin. Uh, and so last night we had our first of the forums. It was great discussion, great questions. And uh, if you missed last night, there are two more opportunities uh, today at, uh, after the 11, uh, after the 1040 service at our faith site, we'll have our second forum. So you can come out to the Faith Ministry Center for that or tomorrow night at seven after our six o'clock worship service, you can also join us for that. Just a time for us to share with you things that are going on in the church. Uh, things are going on with our staff. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary, and so we're looking back at 75 years of blessing, but also praying forward uh, what will we do in the next 75 years and how will we be, pre be prepared to be used by God for all of that. So if you want to share your words, your thoughts, your prayers with us, we would love it. Uh, you are an important part of the congregation. We want to hear from you. So those forums are continuing on. Uh, you'll also see in there, there's still time to sign up for our El Regional Guatemala trip. If you want to meet some of the kids that we're sponsoring there, you can still do that. Our community prayer and healing service is coming up very soon. That's in the announcement bulletin. Our annual congregational meeting, May 15th, is coming also. That's in there. So lots of cool things happening uh, in and around our church as God is at work through us. So I hope you find your spot in all of that. All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our amazing God together today. So would you rise as we begin by opening up our voices in song with this great song called Rejoice.
So now we're gonna move into a time of confession. Um, but instead of saying our confession, we're gonna sing it with this song, Carrie A. Laison, which essentially is just ca us calling out to the Lord to have mercy on us, that he would put his grace upon us, that he would have mercy, that he would forgive us because we fail. We do because we're sinners and we fail every day. And so we need to confess to the Lord. So let's sing this song. things I will never be able to wrap my mind around is a God who loves me and you so much that there is absolutely nothing we could ever do that would separate us from that love. And every time we come to him and we confess our sins and our failures and our brokenness, every time we reach out to him with this cry that we just sang, Lord, have mercy, he is right there with open arms to just love us and accept us and forgive us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's our God. He loves us. He delights in us. He rejoices in us and forgives us all of our sins. It is truly my joy as one of your pastors to remind you of this great good news again today and to tell you once more that your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you know, this is the Easter season. And we did this song, This Is Our God, for Easter Day. We're going to do it again as our theme today is Raised Indeed. As we reflect on these words that death and the grave, they were giants to us, but they are dead. Let us rejoice. Remember. 
Dear Heavenly Father, you are our God. And we are amazed again today that you sent your son Jesus Christ to come into our world and, yeah, suffer on the cross for our sins, but then to burst from the tomb on Easter morning to just beat and defeat all of our enemies so that we might know that you have come to rescue us, not just from our sins, but to rescue us from the brokenness and the hurts and pains of this life. So God, Lord Jesus, we praise you today for the rescue of Easter, and we look forward to proclaiming your great love for us in every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, friends, we turn to the word of the Lord now. We begin that first great chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15. I always call it the great resurrection chapter. It's all about the beauty and the power of and the strength of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, as we talk about it, we'll hear how the resurrection was proof that Jesus was God, and because of that, he had power to put all of our enemies under his, under his feet. He has defeated all of our enemies, not just death, but everything that would seek to tear us away from the peace and joy we have in Christ. Here's how St. Paul put it. He said... But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ, but when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. And this is the beautiful word of the Lord. Now, today is also Good Shepherd Sunday. We celebrate that every year during the season of Easter, and we remind ourselves that Jesus said he was our good shepherd, and he takes care of us, the sheep. So we'll hear from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And since these are the words of Jesus, our good shepherd, let's rise in honor to him. And he said, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, 
and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the gospel of the Lord. And now let's take a moment to confess what we believe about our amazing triune God today in the words of the Nicene Creed. Together we boldly confess, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophet. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, our risen Christ. Amen. Now would be a good time to pull out your sermon outline as we kind of work through the Word of God together this morning. And uh, you can see there in the top, I want to talk today about the greatest rescue, the greatest rescue in human history. I think that's what our text from 1 Corinthians is really all about today, how we have been rescued from our greatest fears and worries. And I want to start off with a little quiz, if that's all right. See if you're with me this morning. If you're awake, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands if you can say yes to any of these things. Raise a hand if any of you have ever locked yourself out of your car or your home before. Hand up. Yeah, I had a hunch. That's not a real encouraging thing there, is it? <laughs> how many of you, and this might be harder for guys to admit, how many have you ever been so lost that you had to actually stop and ask directions? Hand up. Yeah, some of you guys are dirty, rotten liars. I know you've done it. You're just not going to admit it, right? How about this one? Have you ever gotten into a mess that was so great that you never thought you could get out of it on your own? Hand up. I thought so. And this one's going to require some real honesty, right? Ultimate test of honesty. Have you ever gotten stuck in a public bathroom stall and found out there was no toilet paper? Now, don't shake those people's hands right there is all I'm saying. <laughs> you know what all of these cases have in common? We needed rescue. There is a point where we needed help. There came a point in time when we needed a savior, someone who would step in and rescue us. This idea or this theme of rescue just permeates our creation, this world in which we live. I took a class in seminary called Literature and the Gospel. And the whole philosophy of the, the whole theory of the class was that once creation was broken in the fall with Adam and Eve, that this theme sort of sprang into all of our existence, that something was broken and something needed to be fixed. 
that we lived in a broken world and that we couldn't fix it ourselves, but we needed a savior. We needed someone to come riding in on a white horse and do what we couldn't to rescue us and save us. And he went on to talk in this class about how much of our literature and how much of our movies are profoundly influenced by this theme of rescue. I mean, just think of some of your favorite movies that you've seen, whether it's Saving Private Ryan or Apollo 13 or Mission Impossible or Matrix or Schindler's List. In every one of these cases, there's a, a need for someone or something to be rescued. In fact, I looked up the seven highest rating movies of all time, right? The seven highest grossing movies in history. You know what those seven are? Avatar, Avengers, Titanic, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Lion King, and the Lord of the Rings series. And you know what all seven of these movies have in common? It's about a rescue. In each one of these movies, someone was in trouble. Something or someone needed to be rescued. This theme of rescue, you see, it just permeates all of creation and it permeates our very lives as well. In fact, you could say that the entire Bible is a big old giant rescue book. I mean, just think about the stories in the Bible and how many times God had to step in and bail someone out who was in trouble. It started with Adam and Eve and it moved right on through to the present time. Adam and Eve and Abraham and Moses and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Gideon and the nation of Israel. Over and over, God was stepping in to rescue, rescue, rescue. But the ultimate rescue, and I printed this on the box in the middle of your outline, right? The foremost rescue story of all is the story of Easter, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Because Easter is the greatest rescue mission ever, where God came to earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue all of humanity. That one event is the single greatest rescue event in history. In fact, if you think about what Jesus did when he came into our world and suffered and died on the cross and then rose again on Easter Sunday, that event is so pivotal it is so important that all of history is divided based on that one event. That's true, isn't it? Everything that we mark history by is before or after, BC or AD, what? The greatest rescue event of history, Jesus, death and resurrection. In fact, every time that you tell someone how old you are, you say, I was born in 1963. What does that mean? It means you were born 1,963 years after what? The greatest rescue mission in history. It literally divides all of history into. It is the greatest event of all mankind's uh, knowledge and, and knowing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what's beautiful about this is we know it was a real event. It's not myth like when we talk about Superman. We know that Superman's not real. It's a story. You do know there's no such thing as Superman, right? Right? That's a myth. It's pretend. It's make-believe. It's not real. It's fiction. But when we talk about Jesus and the great rescue mission that God sent his son on, we know that's fact. And how do we know that? Because he walked on our earth. He lived in our world. There were eyewitnesses who saw him and talked with him and ate with him. There are people who saw him crucified, saw the spear plunged into his side, saw him buried in a grave, and yet three days later saw him alive again and testified and witnessed to the reality of this event. There's a verse I printed in your outline under the box from 1 Timothy 2.5. Take a look at what it says. It says, there is only one God and Jesus Christ is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus became truly human, and he gave himself to, here's that word, rescue all of us. How do we know this isn't a myth? Because Jesus, as it said, was truly human. He walked in our world. He, he lived our lives. He cried and laughed our tears and joy. He lived here with us. We know he was real. We know this is fact. And what did he do? Look at the next verse, Galatians 1.4. Jesus Christ, there's the word, rescues us by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. 
And God's plan is that we all experience that rescue. What was Jesus' superpower in the greatest rescue mission of all time? Right? It wasn't, he didn't come blasting in with, with gunfire like Neo and Matrix. He didn't come with a powerful light service, a lightsaber like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. He didn't come with the power of Hulk in Avengers. What was his power for the greatest rescue mission of all time? It was right there on this verse. He offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. His superpower was sacrificial, unconditional love that he showed us on the cross. He gave everything. God himself laid down his life so that you could be loved and forgiven and then rose again on Easter, proving that it was all true. Isn't this amazing? This great rescue event and the power of God seen in Christ Jesus. So I'm thinking about this, this great rescue mission. And I'm thinking, doesn't it beg the question, what is it that we need to be rescued from? Why would God have to pay such an incredible price? Well, I know you all would say, if I asked you, what do we need to be rescued from? I'm certain every one of you would say from our sins, from our failures, our mistakes. And that's true. He did come to die for that. But it's so much more than that. Jesus didn't just rescue us from our sins and from eternal death, but he rescued us from so much more. If you wanna flip the outline, right? I just put a list together of so many things that I could have said that Jesus rescues us from. I chose 12 because that's just a good biblical number. 12 things. You know, the book of Psalms alone, just the book of Psalms, 150 times uses the word rescue. So I could have filled up 150 things here, but I just chose 12. These are 12 things that Jesus, in the greatest rescue mission of history, rescues us from. Look at it. The stress of life, the attacks of others, a guilty conscience, overwhelming problems, the fear of death, the judgment of hell, financial distress, the prison of addiction. He rescues us from a life without purpose, from people who cause trouble, from worry and depression, and even traps that I don't see. And just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up, right? The Bible verses are all printed there for you. And on the way out, you can grab a little sort of lavender-colored sheet out there on the pod that has all those Bible verses printed for you. So you know, I'm not making this stuff up. These are God promises. He promises us to rescue us from these things. So look at this box. Here's what I just want you to know and to believe with all of your heart. Look at the box. The bottom line is this. There is no problem in your life that God is not interested in. There is no problem in your life that God won't help you with. There's no problem in your life that he's not offered to rescue you from if you'll just trust him. Do you see where I'm going on this, everybody? The rescue mission is not just to save you from hell. It's to save you from the brokenness and the problems and the trials and the difficulties of this life, right? Maybe some of you are like the verse I printed in Psalm 25. My problems, they keep multiplying, going from bad to worse. I need you to rescue me from them all. And that's exactly what he does. When we call out, he rescues us. Now, we better step back and ask, what does this mean, okay? Right? What am I saying? Is Does the Bible teach that if you just trust and believe in Jesus, that all of your problems will just go away? Is that what it teaches? If you just trust in Jesus, all of your financial worries will melt away. You'll win the lottery, right? Actually, that makes more problems, but we don't need to go there, right? If you just trust in Jesus, everybody will start being nice to you. If you just believe in Jesus, then that one person that drives you crazy will move away like to Florida or something, Right? Is that what the Bible teaches? That's not it. When he rescues us, you notice the problems are still there, but he saves us from losing ourselves. He saves us from these things consuming us. He saves us from losing our peace, from sacrificing our joy. He saves us, rescues us from dulling our purpose and mission in the world. He rescues us from all of those things, there's a verse I wish I would have printed in your outline. I should have. It's from Romans 8, 28. Remember, St. Paul talks about the things that we need rescue from. And he said, we, uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
And I love what he says. He makes a list. Shall trouble or hardship or danger or nakedness or persecution or famine or sword? No, in all these things, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, he said, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that just an incredible Bible promise? Really what we're hearing is Jesus is gonna step into our mess, step into our problems and rescue us, pull us through to the other side. That's the promise. Not just to be rescued from our sins, but rescued from the loss of purpose and joy and peace in this world. So I wanna just close then with this. Why would he do that? Why would God you know, send his son, pay that price? Why does he rescue us? The last verse from Psalm 18, look at it, it says, he brings me out into a spacious place. He rescues me because he delights in me. I just love those words. God delights in me. God delights in you. I know you've heard this like a million times that God loves you. God loves you, God loves you. You know God loves you, but maybe you've heard it so many times you forget what that really means. It means that God loves you. You ready for this? It means he likes you. (laughs) It means that God loves to be with you. He delights in you. He takes joy in you. God loves to watch you laugh and move through life. And do you know why? Because he made you, because you're his child. I remember when my girls were little babies, I used to just go into their room at night and I would just sit and watch them sleep. Did you guys ever do that? Just watch them breathe, you know? And just to, just to delight in their lives, delight in who they were and just to love them no matter what. That's what this verse means, that he saves you. He rescues you, not because you deserve it or because you earned it or you try so hard, but he does it because he delights in you. Is that good news all, right? God delights in you. He loves you and he has stepped into your world and rescued you from sin and death and rescued you from the problems and pains of life. So this Easter, rejoice. Celebrate the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead and because of that, he has rescued you from all of your enemies. Amen? Amen. Well, friends, let's say thank you to God for what he has done. This great rescue event, the greatest event in history by our offerings. Uh, These are the gifts that we use to lift up the name of Jesus in our world. So I want to thank you for joining us in that mission and especially thank you for your offerings. and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hold my hope is only Jesus for my life is wholly bound to his oh how strange and divine I can sing all is mine
in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I Gracious Lord, our dear Heavenly Father God, Lord, it is true, to this we hold. Our hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore goes to him. We just know, Lord, as we walk through this life together, that we have not been abandoned, that we don't have to rescue or save ourselves. We don't have to manage life all on our own because we know that Jesus has come into our lives that he died to forgive our sins, that he rose again and ascended into heaven so that he could be with us always through the Holy Spirit to help us manage life, do life, find joy, peace, and purpose in life and give you all the glory, honor, and praise. So thank you for the great blessing that is ours today in Christ. And Lord, we are bold to come before you today with the needs of those we know and love. We think today of Jerry Vanden Heuvel as he faces some surgery this coming week. Pray that you would bless him as he prepares for that and he would be with the doctors and nurses as they work to bring healing, healing from your hand. But we pray for those who have lost loved ones and are grieving this week. 
We lift up Sandy Weiland and her family as they mourn the passing of her nephew, Brian. We pray for the families of Jonathan Seafelt and Stephen Doms and Steve Parmenter, all three called home to you this week as well. And Lord, as these families grieve, we pray that you would give them hope of the great rescue of their loved ones, saved from sin, death, and given the gift of everlasting life. Lord, we also rejoice today with Barb and John Wagner in 32 years together as husband and wife for all marriages. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless and help these couples love one another the way you have first loved them. And we also celebrate with little Jenna and little JC who will be brought to the font of holy baptism this weekend here at Celebration and pray that it's just the beginning of a whole long and beautiful life of your blessings and rescue for them as well. So these and other prayers in our hearts, Lord, we are bold to bring to you in the name of our Savior Jesus, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, friends, our great God who rescued us knew that we would need more than just words to be able to fully grasp and hold and appreciate the gift that he's given us in Christ. And so he did something amazing. We call it the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, where we know that the very body and blood of Jesus is put in the bread and wine so that when you and I receive it, we receive not just bread and wine, but the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the assurance of our rescue, forgiveness, and resurrection. So how do we know this is true? Well, on the night before Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, after supper then, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So this meal gives us such assurance, such peace and joy. So take a moment now to share that peace and joy with one another before you are seated and come forward to the Lord's table. How great the castle. How great the chasm that lay between us. High how the mountain I could not climb in the 
my friends, having received this great meal, now may this true body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Go now in the peace, joy, and great forgiveness of your God. And as you go, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's thank the Lord as we sing this last song. Go and serve the Lord.